I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. Luke chapter 16 is where we find our text today. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Today we look at the terrible place called hell, the abode of the damned. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us, and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, and he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The very mention of hell elicits many different reactions. Some people react with concern and they're moved to share Christ with the lost. Others react with fear and come to Christ seeking salvation for their own souls. Still, others react with hate and revulsion and say it is not a proper topic for a modern conversation. Some would even deny 
the very existence of hell. Yet God and Jesus declare hell to be a very real place. Of the 162 references to hell in the New Testament, 70 of those came from Christ himself. And when people attempt to deny the doctrine of hell, there are three basic approaches. One is rationalism. And boy, we can rationalize anything away today. Rationalism says there is no God, therefore there cannot be a hell. Darwin said that hell was the most damnable doctrine. But according to Romans 3 and verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. Then there's the approach of ridicule. Ridicule might say, well, there may be a God, but it's silly to speculate about millions of disembodied spirits flying in the lake of fire some way or somewhere. Or this is the 21st century. Wake up. Come on. Robert Ingersoll said the idea of hell was born of revenge and brutality on the one side and cowardice on the other. I have no respect for any man who preaches it. I dislike the doctrine. I hate it. I despise it. I defy this doctrine. Then the final approach is religion. Religion says, well, there is a God, but he's a God of love. Therefore, he would not and could not send anyone to hell. A theologian by the name of Bertrand Russell said, and I quote, I do not find myself feeling that any person who is really profoundly human can believe in everlasting punishment. I must say that I think all this doctrine that hellfire being a punishment for sin is a doctrine of cruelty, end of quote. That's the position of the cults position of liberalism. Christian science says hell is an error of the mortal mind. Jehovah's Witnesses say the wicked will be annihilated. Nowhere in the scripture does it teach that the soul or the spirit of man is ever annihilated. Mormonism would have you believe that all will eventually be saved and not suffer eternal punishment. And we could go on and on. We may not like to think about it, but hell is a reality. If the teachings in the Bible concerning hell are a myth, then we have no real need for church or this Bible. I'm out of a job. If there's no hell, then there's no heaven. If there's no hell, then there's no Savior. Because if there is no hell, Christ is a liar and he's disqualified himself. Let me add before we dig into these verses here. This story is not a parable. The rich man who is spoken about in this passage is still in hell and untold millions more have joined him. Let's notice our scripture. Because from our scripture, in verse 22 especially, we learn that hell is a place of uninterrupted consciousness. When we meet the rich man, he is alive in this world. He's enjoying his wealth and his power. And after he experiences death, 
and is buried in verse 22, we see him in hell. But he's not dead. He's still very much alive. He's a conscious man who is very aware of his surroundings. And notice with me what this rich man is doing in hell. Verse 23, he is able to see. People in hell can see. The rich man looks at his surroundings through scalding tears. And this passage is very clear. This is a real man in a real place experiencing real torment. This is a literal man in a literal body in a literal place called hell. Verse 27. People can hear in hell. People in hell hear the screams of millions of parched throats. Matthew 13 and verse 42. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. He hears his fellow sufferers moan and cry and curse and scream. We must note that people in hell can feel. This passage, like no other in the Word of God, illustrates for us the pain and suffering that exists in hell. You see, hell is not a state of mind. It's a real place where real souls spend a real eternity in real torment. Notice here a few of the truths from the Bible as it reveals things about hell. Number one, hell is a place of punishment. Matthew 25, verse 41 says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Again, hell is a place of fire. Luke chapter 16 and verse 24 of our text. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 and four, uh, 44. And if thy right hand, or if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that can never be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Verses 24 and 25 of our text reveals to us that hell is a place of thirst. It's never quenched. The rich man just desired of one drop on one finger on his tongue to cool it. The reality of it is it would not even make a dent. Not even a microcosm. Hell is a place of pain. We see that in Luke chapter 16, our text, verse 24, 25, and 28. Again, the Bible discloses this in Revelation 14, 10, and 11. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever. They have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. 
Again, hell is a place of wrath. In the Old Testament, we hear the prophet Habakkuk cried out to the Lord to remember mercy during a time when his wrath was being poured out. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. And this has always been God's way. When he destroyed the earth in Genesis 6 through 8, he extended grace to Noah and Noah's family. He remembered mercy and even placed his rainbow in the clouds to declare his mercy. Even after this, the world rejected him. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for the sinners anyway. That is grace. That, my friend, is mercy. The Lamb of God died in your place and mine on the cross, and as he did, he demonstrated in perfection the love of God for sinners. Romans 5, 6 through 8. Again, hell is a place of frustration and anger. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 42, the Bible says, And shall cast them into furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Again, Matthew 24 and verse 51, weeping and gnashing of teeth. We also see in the scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, that hell is a place of eternal separation from God. Hell will not be hell because of the flames, because of the darkness, because of the torment, because of the thirst, because you're going to feel everything for all eternity. Hell will be hell. Because there is no God in hell. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There's a separation in hell from all that is good and decent. Revelation 21, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's nothing in hell that will be good and decent. Everything good and decent is going to be in glory. Now some say that this world is hell. Well, that's stupid. That's not biblical, and it's certainly not anything logical. It might be bad here. It might even get bad here, but it's far worse there. Some contend that what the Bible says about hell is purely symbolic. My friend, you better hope not, because in the Bible, when it uses symbolic language, it does so to describe things that are indescribable to our human minds. In other words, the reality is far more intense than the symbolic. If what the Bible says about hell is symbolic, then hell is far worse than even the Bible says that it is. However, the Bible does use very clear and very plain language everywhere hell is concerned. People in hell have desires. Verse 24, people in hell can walk. The rich man desired water. May I say the rich man is still desiring water. 
Apparently those lost in hell will still have many of the same wants and desires that they had in this world, according to verse 24. Verse 25, people in hell can remember this poor rich man. I say that because he's a poor rich man. He remembers every witness who ever came to his gate. He remembers every day that he saw Lazarus lying there. He remembers turning a deaf ear to the pain and the needs of Lazarus. He remembers all of the opportunities he wasted during life. He remembers that he could have been saved. He remembers that he could have lived for Christ. He remembers in glaring detail the truth, things did not have to turn out this way. And he remembers all his chances. And he realizes that they are gone forever. Hell is a place of memory and remorse. Luke 16 and verse 25. He wanted his brothers to be spared. He experienced great regret. On the earth, he had no remorse. On the earth, he had no second thoughts. On the earth, he was wrapped up in his world. But if you think things are bad here, my friend, this man has memories, guilt, remorse. You just imagine what it's going to be like in hell. You may say, Pastor, what does all this prove? It simply proves that this man is in hell, but he is alive even in that awful place. You see, hell is not the end. It is merely the beginning of an endless eternity where the lost Experience a living death forever. Don't let the world, don't let liberal religion or the devil's lie tell you that hell is a figment of some preacher's imagination. It is a real place where real people go. In addition, hell is a place of unanswered concerns. This man is suddenly concerned about things that never crossed his mind while he was alive on the earth. All these things might have briefly crossed his radar from time to time, but he was not concerned enough about any of them to do anything about them. Now he's concerned about life after death. He may not have ever given eternity a, a single thought while he was alive, living in his mansion, enjoying his wealth, and now he's so conscious very conscious about and concerned about the very fact of life and de after death. My friend, you need to understand a few things. If you're alive today, you're going to die someday. And after you die, your soul will continue to live forever, either in heaven or hell. You want a scripture verse for that? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Revelation 20 verses 11 through 15. That, my friend, is why you need to come to Christ while he's still giving you a chance to do so. Verse 24, we see that he's concerned about repentance. Now he's concerned about repentance. This man probably never gave his sinful condition any thought at all. He lived like he wanted to. He enjoyed himself to the fullest. Now he's dead. And in hell, there's a noticeable change in his attitude. He cries out to Abraham and calls him father. It seems that he's interested now in making some changes in his life. But it's too late. 
My friend, thoughts of repentance and of dealing with your sins might not enter your mind often, but I want to remind you there will come a day when it will be too late for you to get right with God. There will come a day when you leave this world, and how you stand on that day is how you will enter eternity. Verses 27 28, he is concerned that others miss hell. Now, we're not aware of what kind of relationship this man had with his five brothers when he was alive, but he might have loved them, he might not have seen them often, but now he literally is interested in their eternity. Now he's in hell, and he knows that they're just like him. He knows that where he is, his brothers will soon be. And now he's concerned for his brothers, but it's too late. My friends, we've got to reach out to them while there is time. Open up your mouths, share Christ with the lost in a dying generation. And let's do what we call, we're called to do in the Gospels. Go tell this world about a Savior who loves them, who died for them, who will save them. And if they will trust him by faith, Jesus Christ will save them. Now, finally, we see that hell is a place of unshakable convictions. Five seconds after death, the rich man was convinced of the, some things that may have been unclear to him before he died. In verse 23, he realized that hell is real. Now, many look at this passage and they see a passage that is merely another story from Jesus. But Jesus never called anyone by name in a parable. Here he called Lazarus by his name. Now, hell is real. Don't wait until you die to discover that essential fact. There are no philosophical debates raging within the heart of this man concerning the existence of hell. He is thoroughly convinced that hell is an absolute reality. In verses 22 and 23, hell is not the grave. This man knows for sure that hell is not the grave. He dies and is buried in verse 22. Immediately he finds himself in the flames of hell in verse 23. We said this before, but in verse 24, hell is not annihilation. This man knows that hell is not the end of his existence. It does not spell the end of man's existence as many groups falsely teach. He knows for sure that man does not merely burn up like a broom sage field. He knows that the soul lives on forever in hell and when it dies in unbelief, he goes to hell, John eight twenty four. Verse 24, we also see that a loving God will allow men to go to hell. This man now has no doubts that God will allow man to follow his unbelief all the way into hell. Some people say that hell cannot possibly be real since a loving God will not allow man to go there. Friend, God loves a sinner so much that he will allow him to go to hell if that's what the sinner chooses to do. The fact that there is a hell does not change the fact of God's love for the lost. John 3, 16, Romans 5, 8. Verses 26 through 28, hell is not purgatory. 
That is not a biblical subject. The rich man is convinced that he will remain in hell forever. And he asks that Lazarus, not himself, be sent to witness to his brothers. And he knows that he will never be permitted to leave the torments and flames of hell. Revelation 14, 11, Matthew 25, 41. Again, Mark chapter 9, 43 through 48. But in closing, I want you to see that hell is also a place of unending condemnation. There'll be no more chances in hell. While he lived, the rich man had the same opportunities that Lazarus had. They both had the testimony of the law of God. John chapter 5, verse 39, Galatians 3 and verse 24. They both had the revelation of God in creation. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. They both had light. John 1 and verse 9. They both had a choice to make. And apparently, Lazarus chose to place his faith in God while the rich man embraced unbelief and placed his trust in riches, power, and his self. Because the rich man chose sin over the Savior, he is in hell, and he is the place where God will never call him again. He will never hear another gospel message. He will never hear another gospel song. Never again will anyone invite him to church or hand him a gospel tract. He is forever separated from everything that has to do with God. He has made his choice, and his day of opportunity has passed forever. Friend. Do not let that happen to you. If that's the path that you choose, then God will allow you to follow that path all the way into the flames of hell, John chapter 8 and verse 24. You can be saved if you come to Christ. There will be no more changes after this. And just as there will never be another opportunity for the rich man to be saved, there's never going to be a change in his experience in torment. Now, we believe that there will be a change in the location of those in hell because at some point in the future they're going to be called out of hell and they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ for judgment and they're going to be judged. After they're judged, they're going to be sent away into the lake of fire and their punishment will be even greater because they'll be punished for their works. Their location will change, but their condition will never be changed. They will still be lost. They will still be separated from God, and they will still be in eternal torment. No more changes in their reality. No more changes in the realization of their punishment. Friends, in closing, no amount of human reasoning can change what God said in his word. He has spoken as plainly of a hell for the lost as he has for heaven for the saved. If you have never been saved, let me speak to you clearly. Please do not join the rich man in hell. God loves you. He sent his son Christ to die on the cross. And Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you and he wants to save you. And I have no no doubt that he's calling some of you today. If you'll come to him, he'll save you and you'll miss hell. Do not let Satan play you for a fool. Come to Christ while there's still time.